Last time on the Screen the Screener podcast. Yeah, what we're going to do, folks, is we're going to bring in an interview that we had with Tony Patelis. Tony is on Twitter, at College Hoop News. He has great commentary, has tremendous knowledge on college basketball. He's got a periscope that he does, weekly college hoops chat, Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. and Sunday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Here's Tony Patelis. Yeah, you know, well, I, I've been on Gonzaga all year. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer. <laughs> I think they're an elite Final Four caliber team. The only other team in the country that has the balance and the diversity on offense to score like that is UCLA. I think yes. they can do it in so many different ways. Shemek was great at St. Mary's. Absolutely. I mean, he, he he's a major factor inside. And, you know, they have so much depth up front with Zach Collins and, and Jonathan Williams. And then you have Nigel Williams-Goss, who, who in the backcourt is playing like an All-American right now. Who are some of those smaller schools? You know, is it, is it a Dayton, Middle Tennessee? Who are some of those schools that you feel, maybe SMU even, who's coming on now, that you think can make some noise and, and are dark, you know, dark horses for the Final Four? I also like UNC Wilmington. Uh, this uh, UNC Wilmington, they, they've been struggling a little bit down the stretch here. They're still 11-3 and three in conference, 22-5 and five overall. Also, a team like Akron mm-hmm. is really playing well right now. You know, Isaiah Johnson is a heck of a player. They got like six, seven guys averaging between 16 points and seven points. Gus, what I want to do is this. I'm going to read you the top 16 teams from March Madness, the preview show. I want you to make your picks right now. These games are going on tomorrow. I'm going to read you the games. I want your top of your mind automatic response to who you think is going to make the final four. What do you say? Oh, okay. I like it. Let's roll. I'm going to model Tony's pick and take Villanova back to the final four back-to-back years. Something sprinkling in Jayhawk country. So give me the Jayhawks versus Arizona, and I'm going to go ahead and put the Jayhawks in the final four. UNC is going to wipe the floor with Baylor. I think that pace of play is going to be totally out of whack. I think UNC is going to run up and down on them. I think Baylor is going to be gasping for air. Give me the Tar Heels into the final four. Gonzaga, we talked about how it's important to play with two point guards. They play with two point guards almost all the time with Perkins and Nigel Williams-Goss. That press, they could possibly shred it, and when they do shred it, they're going to toss it into bigs for easy scores. Give me Gonzaga. But I have to tell you right now, we got Emil Jefferson got his fourth foul with 15 minutes left to go in Virginia. He only has four points and four rebounds, and Duke is about to pull this out unless they have a West Virginia-like meltdown. And oh, by the way, Gus, just want to point out that Mariel Shayok has seven, and Jack Salt has four. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Valentine's Day is over, the weekend is here, which means the hardwood is officially heating up. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. I am Mike Randall here with the illustrious Gus Kearns. Gus, we have an exciting Saturday, Sunday podcast preview for the folks, don't we? I'm just impressed that we got three podcasts in for the listeners out there. Thanks, Tony Patelis, for coming on midweek for us. Love the info that you gave to us, and thank you, listeners, for giving us three sections of your week this week. Out of control. I know we're going to squeeze into your weekend somewhere, so we're going to say good evening, good morning, and good afternoon to everybody out there. We're so happy that you tuned into the Screen the Screener podcast. We're thankful, uh, we're humbled, uh, and we're always, always wanted to – we're, we're always engaged to have you guys on board with us for this 
college basketball listening adventure that we are recording on the 17th of February, 2017. We want to say ahoy out there at Tox1. Go Dayton Flyers, my man. There you go. And we want to say ahoy out there at Watch Tommy Cover. Keep doing your thing out there. Glad you guys are on board. Ahoy out there. And we want to say happy President's Day out there. We hope everybody enjoys your long weekend and you hope we enjoy your getaway or whatever you're up to. Or maybe just spending some time with the fam. Thank you, listeners out there. Mike, let's get this thing going. I can see George Washington having, if he was here now, being a huge Dayton guy. I can see that, can't you? Just the old school with the wooden teeth, you know, Kendall Pollard setting screens. I don't know. Uh, folks, as Gus said, we're going, we have three a week going for you. We're heading towards March Madness. It's our favorite time of the year. We, we come out of hibernation. We love it. We're working hard for you here. All we ask in return is that you go to iTunes and you rate us. Give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear for Screen the Screener podcast. Let us know about it. You can email the show, sdspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us things you want us to talk about. Basically become a producer of the show for free. Tell us what you want us to talk about here as we rev up towards March. You can follow me at Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike. Follow Gus at C Kern, C-K-E-A-R-N-S-12. We are here, folks, for you. We love college basketball. Give us a five-star rating, and we'll call it even. Sound good? I think that sounds very fair and very reasonable, Mike Randall. Very fair. It's Friday night. Let's head into it. How about our news and notes? News and notes from the hardwood. Normally, this segment, we just talk about the games, but there's a couple big pieces of news that I think we need to get into today. Uh, The first one, Gus, is that Mark Gottfried, in what I think is ridiculous the way this has been handled, has officially been fired as the North Carolina State head coach. However, he will finish the season. NC State's 14-13. and They've lost six straight. They're 3-11 and in the ACC. Really disappointing year despite having freshman Dennis Smith Jr., right, having a 19-point-per-game, 4.4 rebounds, 6.7 assist season. Uh, they, six, six stat line. Crazy. Absolutely insane. And he's a freshman, right? The yep. Wolfpack have parted ways with Gottfried, but he asked them, Gus, to stay on and finish the season and was granted that. Today, at Fran Fraschilla tweeted, quote, in 20 years before Mark Gottfried, NC State, five NCAA tournaments and a Sweet 16. In his six-year tenure, four NCAAs and two Sweet 16s. Wow. Gottfried was 122-82 and 82 at NC State. And he led the Wolfpack to the NCAA tournament in each of his first four seasons. But for the second straight season, Gus, they are going to miss the tournament unless they go on a huge run. He was right. the first coach since Valbano to leave the Wolfpack to the Sweet 16 twice, 2012-2015. State, NC State's 2015 tournament win over Villanova was the school, the school's first win over a number one seed since Valvano's national title in 1983. He is owed Gus about $2.5 million with three years remaining. I got to tell you, classy guy, right? He could have walked away with the money, no? He will walk away with the money, but he will also walk away with his dignity because he is committed to those student athletes. The move that he's making here is making him millions of more dollars down the road. Instead of being bitter and being petty and walking away from a situation where he knows he's not wanted, he is showing his commitment to the student athletes and to the program, and even to a fan base that's not in love with him right now, and saying, I want to finish out my tenure with these guys, and I want to finish the season with these guys, because I've committed the last, what is it, six years to this program, and the last season to this group of student athletes. What else could you want from a leader? What else do you want from a coach? Sure, things aren't going to be, aren't the way that 
the Wolfpack wants it to be on the win and loss column. But as far as like a leader and as far as a person that's going to be a teacher and an educator for these student athletes, what other lesson do you want those student athletes to take from their college experience except when you're dealt an unbelievably raw deal, you make the absolute best of it and you stay committed to what you started? There is no better lesson that any college student athlete could take from their experience than what they're taking from Mark Gottfried in this current situation right here, right now. I love it. I love that he wants to see the season through. And you know what? I bet they have another moment like they had at Duke the other night when they pulled a huge upset at Duke. And I bet they get another big win like that for their coach because they want to see their coach go out on a good note. I really, really admire all parts that Mark Gottfried is handling and the way he's handling it here. Unbelievably classy. Well said, my friend. Unbelievably classy. Word started leaking out, of course, because of social media. Everything gets out uh, almost a week ago, right, that Gottfried was gone. He doesn't finish the season. He's got to answer questions. What a stand-up classy guy. He didn't. Ha- he could have left. He could have said, oh, it was terrible. They leaked it. I wasn't treated right. Look at my record. He could have said all that, and no one would have thought anything. But he took the high road. He did the right thing for his players. All his players showed up to the press conference he had, by the way. Totally agree. Sneak preview. I think a big win is coming right around the corner. And I love it. I give him a lot of credit. We support you, Coach Gottfried. We know you're going to get a job somewhere soon and do a fantastic job. But I have to tell you, Gus, not many people would have done this. No. And you know what's going to happen if we're going to look into the crystal ball and play fortune teller for the Wolfpack and NC State? Guess what? The next person you're going to hire is going to be a step down from Coach Godfrey. Whether they want to hear that or not, that is the absolute truth. You just read off the stats of his success of getting to the NCAA tournament and making a couple sweet 16s. Over his tenure, over the past six years, I challenge the next person that steps into that position to equal or better those results. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, NC State always suffering from the middle child syndrome down there with North Carolina and Duke. They have had success, and when they're good, they are great. Uh, but I, we wish Co- Coach Godfrey the best. Imagine they make a run and they make the NCAA tournament. I mean, I know it's a long shot. They're 3-11. I understand that. But, like, where do things have happened, right? There was a Georgia team years ago that got in, right? They were the eighth seed or something like that mm-hmm. in the SEC. I mean, well, you know, Dennis Smith goes bananas. Who knows? I, you know, but. Look, look, it, it, it would be, it would possibly be the defining story of this March if that happened. But you know what? If it was another league besides the stacked ACC, I would say, yes, there's a chance. There's just too long of a gauntlet for them to get through to get to the finals and then win a, a finals game in Greensboro. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I just I, I don't think so. True. But either way, Godfrey has redeemed himself very nicely. He gets some money in his pocket. He'll get a new job very, very soon. Uh, number two, Gus, for news and notes, a UNC sophomore shooting guard Kenny Williams will miss the remainder of the season after surgery on his knee. Theo, mm. P- Theo Pinson takes that starting role and both Nate Britt and Seventh Woods now especially are going to have to take bigger roles. Number 10, Tar Heels rolled 97 97- 73 at the aforementioned NC State in their first game without Williams. Gus, you concerned here with North Carolina, no Williams? Little bit. Again, Williams was your guy that you were on. He had a nice little streak midseason. He's been a vital cog for them in the backcourt. Uh, he shot the ball pretty well. He's been pre- pretty active defensively. He's, he's one of those rotational backcourt guys that you need to win a title. But in reality, 
how much are they losing if Theo Pinson gets more minutes and he's healthy and you're going to give Nate Britt more minutes? I don't know if that's really a loss if you're the Tar Heels. As much as you'd love to have Kenny Williams out there and his athletic ability, his size, his wingspan uh, on the wing, I think if your fallback is Theo Pinson and Nate Britt, you're just fine. Yeah, totally agree. He was the guy who guarded Malik Monk in that incredible game. Monk went bananas. Williams is a good athlete, but I think he is replaceable. Moving on, why don't we get to the games, Gus, and let's start with number 12, Duke, 65, number 14, Virginia, 55. This was a game you nailed. You've been a Virginia guy, but you went the other way. You gave logic for it, and you nailed it. You said the Dukies would respond. Kudos to you, my friend. Therefore, the mic is yours. Very good. Look, I'd love to break this down for you listeners, but there's not much to break down here. The game followed the script. UVA was holding Duke and his scorers down in place, and they were playing a painfully slow pace by design. Then, Jason Tatum happened. We mentioned in the past few podcasts that he had a shot to salvage the season for Duke all by himself. Let's quickly recount some of the drama that this season has held for Duke. Grayson Allen's feet, Coach K's health, Harry Giles' speed of recovery, Emil Jefferson's iffy availability game to game due to health and foul trouble, and Tatum's own health issues early on in the season. Now that's a ton to overcome for any program, any coaching staff, and any team, but these eyes at Screen the Screener see a bright light for Duke amongst the concert of calamities for the Blue Devils. And it's Tatum. He's that light. The guy is finding his groove in the toughest and most uncomfortable of atmospheres, which is the regular season and the grind of the ACC. The past five games, Tatum has put up 18 points, uh, six-ish boards with about 50% from the field. And you know what? He just looks the part. If you need further proof, you know what I'm going to say? Hit the library. Mike Randall, can we have that library uh, librarian voice, please? Shh. Hit the library, Sonny. Hit the library and check out the talented Matt, Matt Norlander from CBS and his most recent write-up on Tatum. He'll help prove the point and hammer it home for us of why he can change the fortune of the Blue Devil season. Shh. Keep it down. It's a library, people. Yeah, this was well said. You, you nailed it. Duke 65, Virginia 55. Duke came ready to play. It, it's a fascinating game, Gus, because Emil Jefferson got in foul trouble with about 14 minutes left to go in this game. Only played 21 minutes, 4 points, 5 rebounds. Tatum is a man almost to the moment. As you said, he is one of the two best players on the court. He was the best player on the court in this game overall. No uh, doubt. Uh, if you had told me that Grayson Allen had five points, that Emil Jefferson was in foul trouble, had four points, five rebounds, I would say Virginia wins by 20 points. UAV win. But that is not the case, and it makes me feel even better about being off of the Virginia bandwagon heading, right, right, heading right. into the tournament. Here, let me do this one, my friend. Wilkins, four points. Jack Salt, and including a dunk off the tap, by the way, four, four points. Shayok, love him, seven uh, Hall had eight, and actually Ty Jerome from New Rochelle, New York, came off the bench and had 13 points and had the big game. They do, And, of course, London will say shoot the ball. I mean, it's, it's on repeat. 14 points. They just don't have the offense. Everything has to go right. 
I'm going to say something to you. I think they're a poor man's Cincinnati. Because mm. I think Cincinnati has better offense. And maybe now Virginia has better defense. I'm off of Virginia. I'm done. It's catching up to them. Because maybe the teams didn't play as hard against them earlier in the year, but they sure as heck are playing now. And they're going to play hard in the ACC tournament. And they're going to play hard in the NCAA tournament. I do not like Virginia moving forward. But on the flip side, this is a great, great win by Duke. And still, their bench worries me. Harry Giles had a nice game. Jackson gave him nothing. Bold in two minutes. So I'm still worried about them moving forward, but this was an impressive win. You know what? When you play UVA in this type of game with this type of pace, you need – the way that you win the game is you have, a, you have a difference maker. You have a defining player on your team that plays that way. And Tatum was that player in this game in this moment. If he doesn't play that way, then like you said, you read off Emil's uh, stats, you read off Grayson's stats, you read off Kennard's stats – like that sounds like a recipe for a UVA win. But if you have Tatum going off and playing like the best player on the court or playing like the best player in the whole entire conference, then they win that game and he can do that all tournament long, which is a little bit scary for the rest of the ACC and the rest of the the rest of the country in March. Hey Yahoo fans, you don't like what I have to say? Let me hear about it on Twitter at Fantasy Warrior Mike. And I got two things for you. Dwayne Bacon dropped 29 in your house, and Jason Tatum dropped 28. Enough said. Mike drop. Wow. Look out, people. So, Mike Randall, you mentioned uh, Cincinnati uh, and UVA being a poor man Cincinnati. Speaking of Cincinnati, number 19 SMU just squeaked past Tulane 80-75 to after their big matchup with Cincinnati. Now, you say, is it worth talking about? Absolutely, because the score at halftime, catch this. Tulane 42, SMU 27. Yeah, and Tulane is 4-21 and 21 and only has one conference win. You know what we're going to call this, people? It's, it's our typical su- subscription uh, prescription here. It's the typical hangover game for SMU. They are coming off a huge win over Cincinnati, lead-leading Cincinnati. Uh, that led, they, they were undefeated leading up to that game against uh, SMU in, in conference. And sometimes fans need to remember that teams only have a given number of efforts per season, like we've mentioned before. You know, most teams have three-ish efforts. Take a look at any big upset that any team pulls off anytime during the season. That's one of those efforts, right? But great teams have up to nine-ish efforts during the season, and that's what makes them the great because they're able to do it nine times in, over a season and replicate that high-level of success. But here's the pitfall. Typically, after burning one of those giant efforts – The following game, that team comes out flat, and that's exactly what happened here for SMU. This game is the perfect example of this very familiar but unnoticed storyline of teams in every sport. And Mike Randall, I'm going to spin it your way and go a little NFL football on you here. The past three years in the NFL, the collective record of every team the week after they played the Seattle Seahawks is like a 30-ish winning a 30-ish percent winning percentage for those teams. Wow. The team that would play the Seahawks one week and then go ahead and play the following week, their winning percentage collectively was about 30%. So teams burned so much physically, mentally, and emotionally that the following week those teams just were flat. And more often that flatness led to a loss. But luckily SMU is talented enough and Tulane is just awful enough that they were able to escape with a win here. So they burned one of those efforts, but guess what? They escaped the hangover game. So well done SMU, no matter how you get that win, congratulations. 
Yeah, well done. Uh, this game just didn't make any sense across the board. I mean, I think heading into it, SMU was something like a you know, like a twenty three and a half point favorite. Uh, yep. But you know, this is why those buildings exist in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has surprised me? Listen, I have been late to the dance on SMU. I came in and the dance was almost over, but I am here and I am staying. SMU is tremendous. They are a dark horse for the Final Four. Uh, Jankovic has done a great job. What amazes me, Gus, not to sound like an 80-year-old man, how they do not get into foul trouble. They have a six-man rotation. That is it. And in this game against Tulane, where they have to be aggressive because they're down 15 at halftime, and you know they're all over the place, and they're pressing three-quarter court and the whole thing, more two fouls, Ojale one, Foster one, Shake Milton two, Brown zero. That is incredible. Five guys in doubles. Semi Ojale is the most underrated player in the entire country. Incredible. Big win for him. They beat the team. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Exactly. Beat the teams at home and beat somebody you're not supposed to beat. They're doing all three. Love SMU. Uh, Arkansas has a huge win. 83-76 at South Carolina. And Mike Anderson was on the hot seat and really needed this win. This win could possibly be the one that gets them in the dance. They're a 19-7 overall. They're 8-5 in conference in the SEC. And, I mean, Mike and I are probably going to talk about this uh, in the next couple of weeks, but we feel like it's a, a very volatile bubble year. Like, it just seems like there's a lot of ebbs and flows on the bubble. And this helps, like, two sections of teams usually, right? This helps, like, those one-bid leagues where maybe the favorite loses before they get to the conference final or before they win uh, the automatic bid, or it helps like the on the fence teams like the Razorbacks. And if the Razorbacks can, you know, garner one more of these like signature wins, this is really going to help them moving forward in March. Uh, Definitely. This is the win that could put them in the tournament. Moses Kingley senior 11.9 points per game pumps in 16 here with seven rebounds. Barford, the guard at 23, uh, Hannah the guard 20 hit four three-pointers. Uh, this was a huge win, a shocking win, because South Carolina plays really strong defense, and they seem to have slipped up lately. They're ranked number 21. Thornwell does his thing, of course. He had 27 in this game, two three-pointers. Uh, but that that hurts. They need Dozier, who was out for a game. He has not come back and played as well as he should have. Only nine points in this game for them. Big win for Arkansas. SEC, 8-5, and 19-7. and seven. South Carolina stumble. This is the game that could put him in the tournament. Totally. Uh, Mike Randall, I think you're going to have a keener insight on this than me. Uh, number 11, Wisconsin, also trips up much like South Carolina without all Big Ten point guard Bronson Caning at Michigan, and they fall to Michigan 64-58. My only view here before you go into your little diatribe is that I was just making a parallel of Wisconsin's situation in this particular game to the situation that Xavier and Creighton have been dealing with the past, you know, in Creighton's case, the past four weeks, and in Dayton's case, the past two weeks, missing your all-conference point guard. And in some regards, we might even say all-American point guard. If you're going to try to win games in these power leagues, and I'm going to include Big East in the power leagues. It's a grind in the Big East. It is impossible. It is crippling. And Whiskey just got a taste of that. When you play without your point guard, without your leader in these big leagues, it is just impossible to grind out a win. And you know what? The Badgers got a little taste of what the Musketeers and the Blue Jays are dealing with. 
Mike, what else did you see in this particular match, Big Ten matchup? This was a fascinating game. I covered it for uh, BT Powerhouse. Again, I'm, I put the articles out uh, three times a week on at BT Powerhouse. We follow it. We get some great Big Ten insight. And I covered this one. I also have a great game tomorrow, by the way, Gus. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, yep. but, but this one was fascinating because no Koenig, and I'm thinking Wisconsin has no chance. They hung around. They were up 31-30, to 30, and basically they were up, Gus, because Ethan Happ dominated the first half. 18 points, high-energy guy. Nobody knows where Nigel Hayes is. We'll get to that in a minute. And and Michigan almost just seemed stunned. They got up like 8-2 to two right away, and then they they got sloppy. They were missing threes, turnovers, not getting, the, you're not getting to the 50-50 balls, just really struggling. But second half, about midway through, they took the lead for good uh, on an Abdur Rahman three. They made nine three-pointers, 9-23, of 39% against Wisconsin at home is pretty darn good. That's and, very good. That's and, their thing. And Michigan is one of those teams in that uh, bracketology article I did for BT Powerhouse that, that that is on the bubble. But this makes them seventeen and nine, seven and six in conference. They're tied with Minnesota for fifth place, and they have a chance now to make a move. So it was a good win. Now, flip side, Gus, I'm calling out Nigel Hayes, and we talked about how great he was, and he's a wonderful person, ethical kid, yeah. well spoken. This has nothing to do with him as a person. He's fantastic. We trust him with my children. The whole thing. What I'm like, talking le- legitimately the best. He uh, is the best. Hundred percent. But we have yes. to analyze it from sports. That's what we're doing. We're separating this. Yes. Nigel Hayes has been a massive disappointment this year in my mind. He averaged mm-hmm. 15 points per game. This is a team that returns. He is supposed to be the centerpiece. The guy is Casper, the ghost. He disappears in major, major situations. And I will give you examples. So here's a guy, and I'm not talking about the game when they played Florida A&M and they won by 53 and he had six points. I'm going to let that one go. But when they have struggled this year, he's nowhere to be found. They play UNC on November 23rd. The guy has eight points. Gus, they're not scoring a lot of points. Zach Showalter is not pumping in 22 points. They need him to score. His scoring has dropped to 13 points per game, and he's had this disappearing act. How about Gus on January 28th when they're on the road at Rutgers in overtime, which is a game that really could have hurt their season? Seven points for Nigel Hayes. He is a talented offensive guy. 0 of 2 from 3, just not engaged. Last night, when you know that your point guard, senior, Bronson Koenig, good friend, one of the really only two other scores that can rely on the team, you cannot come out against, really, Gus, not a great defensive Michigan team. I would not say this is Virginia North, okay? You cannot come out and have six points. I'm sorry. He's just way too passive. If he wants to do that at the beginning of a game, you know, on the road and get some other guys involved. I support it. I like that. But at some point, you're being selfish by being unselfish. Nigel Hayes, <laughs> you have disappointed. You're not sniffing an All-American team right now. The team has lost two in a row. You lost at home to Northwestern without Scotty Lindsay, and you had a mild 13 points. You had six points at Michigan. He's got to step it up. Nigel Hayes, where are you? Here's hoping that somebody goes to the lost and found and finds his game. We need more Nigel Hayes taking a three-pointer in overtime exactly. against Minnesota. Yes, yes. And less Nigel Hayes against Michigan. That's what we need. His team is this. I love. I have this love-hate relationship, Gus, with Wisconsin. Right? I really love this team. I want to see guard do well. They play the game the right way. They play hard. They don't make mistakes. They have a path here. They have what Virginia has. But Hayes is the best scorer of both of those teams. Ethan Happ is great. I love him. You know that he works hard. I just don't know if you can bank on him for 20 points every game. 
And Koenig is the point guard. He's up and down. He's a shooter is what it is. Hayes has got to lead them. He's got to be a double-double. He's got to be Biggie Swanigan in a different, a different sort of role. That's what he needs to be, and he's not doing it. And I'm just really disappointed because if he gives them any sort of marginal game, Gus, they lose this game here. They lost this game, what? 64-58, six points. Hey, Nigel Hayes, can you give me 13 points? Your team wins. Right. Uh, you know what I think is not part of the problem, but what I think is the reality here. He was able to exist in the shadow of Decker and Kaminsky and have those guys garner all of the attention, whether it be on the court, whether it be on the podium, whether it be with all the double teams. And now he's Decker and Kaminsky. And sometimes that transition from going to be going from like being the guy in the shadows that was able to, you know, be open on all those double teams or be open on all those defensive swings to being the guy that's getting doubled, sometimes it's a tough transition, and it appears that's what's uh, troubling uh, Nigel right now. And we hope that he gets more aggressive and finds his path because, I mean, nobody's bigger fans than, than we are of Nigel Hayes as a person. We just yeah, I love see, the guy. I, yeah, we just want to see him find success as a player. Let's go, Nigel. Get it rolling, man. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> whenever you're ready. Yes, whenever you're ready. Uh, next place we'll head to, we'll go out to the West Coast a little bit. We'll go uh, – We'll hit Utah and Oregon. Uh, Utah falls without its best player. Kuzman was out against number seven, Oregon. And I got to tell you, Kuzman's value was definitely on display here just by his absence alone. Can Dylan Brooks stop dunking on people? Like, seriously. All he's every game. <laughs> all he does, like, oh, okay, there he goes. He's just going to dunk on two more guys. Okay. And we talked about him last podcast, but man, oh, man. My, you, I mean, you talked about your love affair for Mick Cronin. My love affair with Jordan Bell is just like increasing. Oh my my God. He's so good. Guy's amazing. He's flexing his muscle on the other bigs in the pack 12. And the other part that is going a little unsung for Oregon, and this is like totally helping out their recipe to reformulate themselves into this final four contender. uh, Now that Brooks is back healthy is, Tyler Dorsey is growing into like the perfect second fiddle, the perfect yep. Robin, the perfect yes. sidekick. Yes. Like whatever you want to call him, like he is falling into that role role just like unbelievably well. Like the role that Nigel Hayes had with Decker and Kaminsky, that's what Tyler that's what Tyler Dorsey's doing now and he is like totally exploiting that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a little swag to him. He's got that little anger streak I like, and he makes big, big shots. Made him at USC two three-pointers last couple minutes. This was a mod game, mother of God game. Oregon lit it up. Uh, no, no Kuzma, even if they had them, I still think they win going away. They won by 18. Oregon's good. Next. <laughs> hey, how about we go to Middle Tennessee State? Middle Tennessee State blows out Western Kentucky on the road. I actually, again, I, I was all pumped up to like put my eyes on them to play uh, once they were on the tube. So we, we turned them on this week. And I got to tell you what, your guy, Ja'Cory Williams, he looks like the player of the year in the conference. There is one sequence where he grabs a defensive rebound, brings it up by himself, has a nasty spin move at the foul line, and then he finishes it off with like this smooth finger roll layup. Like every talent that he could possibly display was out for everybody to see there. It was really impressive. And we're always the first place to give Giddy Potts like props, right? We like we love Giddy Potts. He's responsible for one of the biggest upsets of all time in the tournament. Um, unbelievable shooter, so talented. But you know what? 
Frosch, Tyreek Dixon is a little bit underrated for Middle Tennessee State. The freshman is shooting at 44% from three-pointer this year. He is going to make a big shot for them somewhere in this run when they're going to try to get into March. And he is going to be completely wide open because people are going to be so focused on Giddy, on Upshaw, and on Williams. He is just going to be sitting there like it is a he's taking the ball off the rack in practice and putting it up. I can't wait for that moment for that freshman to happen and everybody jump on him because he makes a big shot. And you know what? That's just what they needed, another floor spacer. So Upshaw and Williams have a little bit more space to operate with their really unique and dynamic skills. I, I, I had not watched a complete game from them, and watching them play up and down and have all their pieces working, I was unbelievably impressed by Kermit Davis and his crew. Holy smokes. They're good, and they're going to give somebody issues if they get in in March again. They definitely are. Tony Patelis agreed with us. They're an issue. They're flying under the radar. They had one loss. Everybody jumped off the bandwagon. 23-4, and 13-1 in conference. They really don't have much in terms of rest of schedule, tough games in the regular season. They have to go to UAB, who was the conference favorite before the season started. UAB's 8-6, and 15-12. and 12. They have a two-game lead. Even if they lose that, they're going to be the one seed. It's going to be them or Louisiana Tech probably going to the tournament. We're rooting for Kermit Davis. This is a good team. They got Habersham coming off the bench. He hit four threes in this game. Dixon gives him some some swag, gives him the point guard, freshman. He's really coming on strong. Uh, Ja'Cory Williams, I told you, 20 points, 10 rebounds are all defensive. Animal. Upshaws uh, could be an NBA player. Watch out, folks. Hey, how about um, how about Ja'Cory Williams? I, I'm going totally off the top of my head here. How about him for a comp? Who is the power forward from Moorhead State that went ahead and played in the NBA? Uh, Was that Fareed? Fareed, yeah, Kenneth Fareed. That's it. Yes. yes. Except he, he's, he's got like better touch than Fareed does. Yeah, he's got better touch yeah. than Fareed. Yep, absolutely. He, he's unbelievably skilled, maybe like an inch or two undersized, but plays with a like giant motor and is strong as all get out. That's who, I, that's who I saw when I was watching him. I was trying to put my finger on, like, who does this guy remind me of? Totally reminds me of Fareed. You're so good with those comparisons. Love him. We're spot on. WCC double shot time, people. Man. Gonzaga just overpowered a pretty decent San Diego, uh, San Fran team, 96-61, and this game was actually pretty close at the half, if you can believe it. Uh, Nigel William Goss played like an All-American type game. His line looked like an All-American type line, 36-7. He had three steals. He had four made threes. Big Shem, the head chef, cooked it up. He had 23-7 on just 11 shot attempts. And if this team continues to roll, we mentioned uh, to our guy on Twitter at Gonzalo Bedia that somehow the Zags might be oddly underrated thus far this year. And we're not saying underrated by the pollsters. Not at all. I mean, how much higher rated can you get than number one? What we're saying is that like what Gonzaga is doing this year is totally under the radar. You think like, oh, it's just same old Gonzaga, right? They're out on the West Coast doing their thing in the WCC. That, that's what they do every year, right? Wrong. This team's so special. They're very special. So please, just remember that we told you how special they were going to be all the way back in Octo- October. And you know what we're going to say, too? I don't even think we thought that they would be this good. They're so good. They're so fun to watch. Anytime you have an opportunity to watch them, please do. It's a special group of kids. It's a special 
group of student athletes and that coaching staff is doing an unbelievable job of putting all of those student athletes in successful positions time after time after time. So impressed, so happy with them. I can't, I can't stop gushing about them. So impressed. Yeah, this was a big statement. 35-point win against a San Francisco team that is tough, as you said. They went back-to-back in Hawaii earlier in the year. They beat Utah. They beat a good Illinois State team. This is not an easy game, and they made it look easy. Gonzaga is ready. 30 points for Nigel Williams-Goss. He's the player of the year in the conference. End of story. Shem is playing very well. He was not scoring like this all year. He is now. That's a huge asset to them. The rest of the guys are role players. they got the bigs coming off the bench. You called it. This is a dangerous team. This team is a one seed. Bill Self even said it. Bill Self said he feels that they are the second best team right now in the country behind Villanova. That's what he said. And he's totally right. They may even be better than Villanova. Great win for Gonzaga. It's a, it's a solid argument. One more one more thing to, to gush out here. I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm seeing Shemek as he's so healthy and he's so mobile right now. That I know this is like he is the most immovable offensive player in college basketball right now. Wow. Wow. Nobody can get him off the block. There, I don't think there's anybody in college basketball that can battle for position with him the way that he can own his space on the block. And if he can own his place on the block, or sometimes they put him at the high post uh, and let him pass out of there. The position that he has on the floor is his and he owns, and he's playing at such an efficient uh, efficient level right now. He, he, the way that he's playing right now is just blowing my mind. I can't even get over how strong he is in the post, how efficient he is with the ball, how nimble he is with his feet. I, I, I'm in love with the guy's game, and to be honest, if he stays healthy – I think he has a chance to play in the NBA. I think he's an NBA player. He could be. He could be. And he's doing everything that Jock Lindell is not. He does not usually get into foul trouble. He's gotten into foul trouble once at BYU a little bit. Okay, but he had he had uh, Micah there, Mika there. Yeah, so Micah is legit. I mean, Micah is a borderline NBA player too. I mean, if he stays around, develops a little bit more, like. He, he's going against like a, a like-minded individual there. Yeah, he's giving him Gus. You know, he's he had a bunch of games there. Nineteen minutes, nineteen minutes, seventeen minutes. He's giving him big minutes now. Twenty-two, twenty-five, twenty-seven. Last three games, uh, he's he's playing really well. This team is dangerous. Watch out. Uh, St. Mary's overpowers uh, Loyola Marymount, eighty-one, forty-eight. Yikes! There's no hangover for the Gales after the big loss to the uh, to the Zags. They stomped. LMU here. And you know what? I think this win just helps prove our Gonzaga point. St. Mary's is good, and the Zags just swept them in the regular season. So if anything, this win is just proving how good Gonzaga is and proving our point that somehow they might be oddly underrated as a team. Yeah, Hackman Landau only had one foul. Great job, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm sorry. That's going to be one of your sticking points now. I can't. I, I, I don't know what to Big tell one. you. 16 and 11 for Landau. All of a Loyola Marymount. The guy is the Shaquille O'Neal inside. Hackman. One one foul. Good job, buddy. We'll see you in the in the WCC championship game. Death, taxes, and three fouls by five minutes in. Thanks a lot, Hackman. <laughs> Look, I want to see him on the. I want to see him on the floor. I don't want to see him on the bench in foul trouble. I just want to see him get dominated by Shemek one more time. That's all. Uh, hey. Listeners, listen to this. We're going to attack Broadway with a different flair this time for the listeners out there. This is going to be great. Okay, Mike and I 
have prepared a number of picks for the upcoming game. You hear that paper there? He's got his paper out. Can you hear that, folks? Yeah, I have the paper out. (laughs) I have legitimate notebook paper that I took uh, notes on here. I also have my coin that I'm going to flip to see who gets to go first to take the game. Now, we can pick against each other or pick the same games. It's totally fine. Mike and I do not know the games that each of us have picked, uh, and we don't know which games we have picked. So we don't know if we're going to go head-to-head. We don't know if we're going to be similar, but we're just going to go back and forth and give you guys some ideas of what we think is going to happen this weekend. Yeah, so uh, this, this is what we got. My favorite my favorite movie is Rocky. So, guys, Gus is on fire with these fishy lines. He's crushing it. But if you remember Rocky against Drago, he keeps getting knocked down. He gets back up again. That's what we do. So I decided to challenge Gus for 10 picks on Saturday. And what are we going to say, Gus? What's the loser going to do here? Oh, okay, great. Uh, yes, there are some stakes for this. So we'll keep track of our picks. We'll come back next week. We'll tell you who wins, who loses. The loser has to sing a Grammy-nominated song, since the Grammys were last week, of the winner's choice. And guys, don't worry. When it's me, uh, it'll be 30 seconds. We're not going much longer than that. No, 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 no. 30 seconds is great. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mike Randall, you can call it on the air. Uh, heads or tails, please. I'll call right now. Tails never fails. Tails it is. Wow. You have first pick. Woo, that is shocking. I could, I could feel the winner ready. So here we go. Ten picks. So Gus is giving me carte blanche of any game to select here. What am I going with? I got him in front of me. I'm trying to make my call. I did not expect to win the coin flip, folks. I'm sorry. Ooh, okay. <laughs> throw it all by this. I guess I have to, Gus. You know, it's funny. I'm sure our loyal listeners have said, where the heck is the conversation about the Baylor-Kansas game? Well, it's lost, we a, it's, lost, it's lost a little luster because, you know, Bill Self has pretty much locked up the title there with Kansas 13 straight. But I've liked Baylor all year. I like the matchup. Kansas has, has done well. They've struggled a little bit here and there, but they've done well. They, they've done well overall. But Baylor is a bad matchup for Kansas. Kansas does not need to win this game. Baylor does need to win this game. This is a game. They're at home. They're going to play that 1-1-3 zone. I understand that. Or Al Freeman, rather. No Al Freeman. But they're only given one and a half. I don't think they have an answer for Motley. If Landon Lucas gets in foul trouble, I'll take my chances with Carlton Bragg. I like the Bears, Gus. Give me the Bears minus one and a half at home against Kansas. I'm going down with the ship. I think they win this game outright. Well, I'll take the next pick. And that was one of the games I had on the notebook paper. And listeners, you're going to get exactly what you want. Uh, (laughs) Kansas, baby. (laughs) I had this as one of my other picks I was going to go to later. But since you spit it out right away, Mike Randall... Give me Kansas. I'm going to go with the fairy dust type season that the Jayhawks have been having, and I think it continues here. And I, not only do I think it continues here, I think this win then cements the next Big 12 title for the Jayhawks and Bill Self, and they do it in fine fashion by beating a top five team. Your uh, next pick is? That uh, makes me feel great already. Already down one nothing. Okay. As we've announced, Gus has the numbers, the metrics, whatever he does. He tends to be the more cerebral, intelligent one of the two, to be honest. I'm hard. I'm feel. Not true. Not true. Not true. I'm hard. I'm feel. I shove my chips in the middle on a gut instinct. We talked about this earlier, Gus. I think NC State's coming up with a huge game at home against Notre Dame. I think they're fired up. ND is vulnerable inside a little bit 
I they're getting five and a half at home. I think they can win the game outright. ND has not played that great lately. They had a nice win at home the other day against Florida State, but that was home. I think NC State comes out like a madhouse supporting this coach, and I think they have a big effort. They don't have to win. They just have to lose by less than five and a half. Give me NC State plus five and a half. I got to say, I kind of like that pick. I like your rationale behind the pick, and the numbers aren't going to – I think they're going to be on your favor if we're going to crunch some numbers on that. I'm not picking that game, but I'm going to go with a ranked team as well. I'm going to take West Virginia – and the minus nine over Texas Tech. Ooh. I think this is a get-back game for West Virginia. We've always talked about how they are a little schizophrenic and play much better at home. I know that they are due for another big performance. And I'm going to go back to your reference from about a month ago that they are very Ben Roethlisberger-like. And I'm going to go that he has one of those four touchdown games. And I think West Virginia covers here and wins outright uh, and makes this a double-digit win over Texas Tech. That's a good one. I'm not touching West Virginia. I don't like them, nor can I figure them out. So I will not. I will stay the heck away from that one, although you could definitely win that game, no doubt. But I, I just don't have a read on them. I choose not to participate. Uh, but the one I will participate on is because Clemson stinks. Okay, they're, they're not good. They're not good. I, you were going to go here. They're I knew not, it. They're not good, all right? And they, they, they may or may not have heard a, a, a wager that someone made when they won in Pittsburgh. But – they're not good. Brommel, it's done. It's over. They're 14 and 11, 4 and 9 in the ACC. Here comes Miami, by the way, who had a big win. They needed that game. 17 and 8 now, 7 and 6. They they had a big win before of North Carolina. They lost at Duke, but they played better than people thought. 17 and 8, 7 and 6 in the ACC. I'll take Miami, and all I got to give is three and a half. Really, no problem. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to stay in the power conferences, and I'm going to go rivalry matchup. This is a little crazy, but I think I'm going to go with the they're begging you to take this team by the line that they're putting out theory. Okay, I, I'm not. I didn't crunch any numbers here. I'm, I'm going with like old fashioned like betting mechanisms here. Okay. Give me Oklahoma State minus 12 uh, over Oklahoma. Uh, I had that one down. Good one. Yes. Uh, Oklahoma is dealing with some injury issues to their uh, better players, Woodard being one of them. Uh, Oklahoma State is quietly playing a little bit better. The metrics really like them as far as their uh, defensive numbers go, and actually their offensive numbers over their defensive numbers. So give me Oklahoma State to cover the large 12-and-a-half. I think that's one of those where they're asking you to take Oklahoma because you look at it as a rivalry game, but really it might end up being a blowout. I'm going to say go uh, go Oak State. Uh, That's a good one. You know, I I, I thought you'd let that one go, so I was holding that one back. Gosh darn it, I feel like I'm losing already. All right, a couple other ones here. Hmm. I'm going to grab – I have two that I want. I'm going to let one go, and I'm going to hope that you don't take it. Xavier is very banged up right now. I don't know if Blewett's playing. He did not play against Providence, and they lost there. We know Mm -hmm. Sumner's out. Marquette needs this game. Wojo's good at home. They beat Mm -hmm. Villanova at home. Three and a half, I'll give it. Give me Marquette minus three and a half over Xavier. Nice. I like that pick, too. I'm not going to pick that game, although I'm on board with that. How about this? Give me Nova on the road against Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I think they're going to cover the lines about six. I also might even put that out as a fishy line on Twitter. So uh, listeners out there pay attention. Uh, I really like Nova in this game. Uh, I think they're still remembering that big East matchup uh, in the big East finals at Madison square garden last year. This will be a little payback on their home floor. Uh, plus I think Nova is playing really efficiently right now. And you mentioned how, uh, you mentioned how West Virginia is playing a little scatterbrained. I think Seton Hall is in that same area where they're just very Jekyll and high. You can't figure them out. I mean, although their guards are playing out of their heads, Carrington is playing really well. Uh, Angel Legato is, is um, with Biggie Swanigan among the, le- the nation's leader in rebounding. Uh, they do have talent. Even with that, give me Nova to cover. Good one. Let's see. Next, I'm covering this game for BT Powerhouse. And I'm going to pick it, so I'm not held to the same Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet can't pick the game on College Game Day that he's right, announcing. But yes. I am covering this game tomorrow. I'll have a recap for you. Gus, I think Purdue's really good. I just can't give Izzo nine and a half points. Yeah. I, I know Purdue's really good. I think they're a Final Four contender. They have Swanigan. They have everything. And nine and a half is just a lot. It's just a lot, even for a team that has a point guard that doesn't score. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I I will take nine and a half with Tom Izzo against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I just I think that's a lot of points, and I'm going to take Michigan State at nine and a half. You know what? I think Purdue has a penchant for playing those close games. Uh, it's very rare that you see them get blown out or blow out other teams. Um, it does happen, but I, I think it's uh, not the norm. So I'm kind of on board with that pick. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to the write-up more than the game, I have to tell you. How about this game? How about we go back to one of the teams that we mentioned earlier in the in the preview, I mean in the review where you mentioned Cincinnati. I'm going to say give me Cincinnati and all of those points. So they're favored by about 16. So give me Cincinnati Ooh. on the road to cover with the 16 points over Tulsa. Wow. I think I think that even though their pace of play and the number of points they're going to score. I, I think they're just playing really efficiently offensively. I think they come out of the malaise and get over that hangover uh, off of the loss of M- MSU, um, of SMU, and then go ahead and get things straightened out here against Tulsa with a really big win. Give me them by 20. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I did not actually have that one down, but I like your argument there. It makes a lot of sense. Very good. Gus, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We thought Oregon was in trouble at Utah, right? But they squeaked right. it out. We did, yeah, yeah. We and, then they, and then they went to Colorado and lost. Mm-hmm. Well, now Colorado's coming to Oregon, Gus. <laughs> and all I got to give is 11. I'll gladly give 11. I, I think there's going to be mayhem up in Oregon. Dylan Brooks will be dunking left and right. By the way, Boucher comes off the bench right now. When did that happen? Yeah, give me Oregon minus 11. Uh, are they going to have more glow-in-the-dark uniforms? If, if so, definitely get, definitely take the 11. That sounds great. Only if it says Mog when you turn the lights out, Mother of God game. Okay, uh, I'm going to go to the Valley. Much like the Cincinnati game, I'm going to say give me Wichita State on the road against one of last year's darlings. That's a good one. I have uh, it down, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to say I think that they're going to cover the 15.5-point spread. Um Against Northern, uh, against Northern Iowa. I, I, I just don't – I think that that could be a fishy line too. I think that they've just been killing people. If you just go back to that Illinois State game, I mean they won that game by, what, like over 30 points? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say give me the 15, and I think they win comfortably. I think this is similar to the Cincinnati game, and they win by 20-plus. 
Good one. I got, uh, what do I got here? One, two, three. So I'm going to game seven. George Mason just has a propensity to play, playing well. Um, they're, they're, they're a good team. They've had some good battles. They're a tough matchup. Rhode Island on the road. Not exactly thrilled about that one. I'm getting three points. Mm. I'll take the interconference game favorite on the road in the A-10. I, I Mason plays tough. This is a nice game that could help them with seeding. They're a pain in the rear ever since Larinaga had that run. Give me Mason plus three over Rhode Island at home. That is not a game I was even looking at, but now I'm going to pay a little attention to it now that you picked that, Mike Randall. Nice, nicely, nicely played. Okay, this is definitely going to be one of our fishy lines that we'll put out for you guys on Twitter. Give me Dayton at home over the Bonnies. I think give the eight points. Dayton wins double digits at home over Bonnies. I think the Bonnies are a little beat up right now physically. Mm-hmm. Dayton's playing a little bit out of their head right now. They're getting whole uh, on their end, on the health on the health end. So I think they're just going to gel. They're going to further their congealing. And I say give me Dayton by double digits in this game. Love the Flyers in this game. Got it. Okay. Game eight for me, staying with Semi. Only two and a half at Houston. I know, but I think SMU is really good and they're rolling right now. I know I'm going against interconference favorite on the road. It's only two and a half. Three point win means I win. They beat Cincinnati. They had the, the uh, hangover game and they're rolling. I'm, I'm a believer in SMU. Minus two and a half. Does Guy v. Lewis Arena scare you at all? <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's semi. Have semi, I believe. All right. Uh, I got one. I got a couple more for you here. Look. We just went crazy and, and, and just couldn't praise Gonzaga enough and couldn't effuse like enough uh, beautifications for them as far as like a team and a program. So why not just roll with that and give me Gonzaga and the 30 points? Wow. <laughs> 30. Wow. Give that it. means that's amazing. 79.50, you lose. Give it to me. <laughs> Look, I know it's the unbelievable, irrational, irrational, like non-numbers, non-matrix, uh, non-matrix, non-metrics. Uh, no, this is based on nothing except me being a fan. Give me the Zags. Arizona doesn't blow anybody out. They just don't. Last time they blew someone out was UCLA. I like Romar. I think Fultz is going to have a moment here at some point. Nine and a half is a lot. Intra-conference, favorite on the road. Washington plus nine and a half. Interesting. Arizona wins six to seven, five, six, seven, something like that. Marketing's getting hot. Flying fins really rolling. I just don't like it. I, they haven't blown anybody out at home. Why they didn't blow Washington out at home? Why are they gonna blow them out on the road? I'll take the nine and a half. Interesting. I like it. Okay, my, this is my second to last pick. This is a little bit off the radar. How about this? Give me Taco Falls. Give me UCF. Over East Carolina. East Carolina is currently favored by about three and a half. So give me Central Florida over East Carolina with maybe a seven point win. How's that sound? Like it. Very nice. I think I told you this. This will be my last pick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. Here's my last one, Gus, as I'm trying to avoid singing a song on the next podcast. UCLA is really good. I know USC, it's the battle, but the battle's not in USC. The battle's in UCLA. Last time it was in USC, USC won. 
correct? USC beat them at home. Correct, yes. Yeah, now it's time to pay them back, and they're going to pay them back and roll. Um, I know Boatwright's back, but UCLA at home, going to be a high-scoring game. Give me the Bruins after the big comeback against Oregon. Yeah, maybe they're up seven, and then, you know, ball hits a 30-footer to make it 10. I'll give the nine and a half with the Bruins. Interesting. I'm, I'm a little surprised the line's that high in that game, which means do what you're doing, right? Uh, last game I'm going to pick, and I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go the, one of the biggest games of the weekend. I know you're down on them. I know you think that everybody's going to score seven points. But you know what? This weekend, I think this weekend they win. I think UVA wins outright at UNC and definitely covers the four and a half to five, depending on what you're looking at. Give me the Cavaliers this weekend, Mike Randall, going and flying in the face of everything you believe in. That's insane. I missed that game. That is absolutely insane. I missed it because I remember looking at it. It was so obvious to me, I didn't put it down. There ain't a prayer in hell that Virginia's winning that game in UNC. (laughs) No chance in hell. Remember when Vince McMahon used to come out for professional wrestling? No chance. No chance. If I can find that, we'll put that on there. Gus, there is no way Virginia's winning that game. I'm so mad I didn't pick it. North Carolina's rolling. That's, I, I, I just, I know. Let me guess. Ty Jerome's going to have 15? No way. Oh, my God. What is it? Where, I'm looking for, I'm scrolling here like a madman. I can't find it. Where, what, where is that game? What is the spread on that game? Uh, I looked at it a couple places. One had it uh, UNC minus five. Another one had it uh, minus four and a half. Oh, my God. How did I not pick that game? Oh, my God. All right. All right. Yeah, I made my picks. We stick with them. That, uh, that. I can't wait to watch that one. That's insane. I can't. Listener, listeners, I don't know what you want to do with all the, this information or these picks, but we just wanted to give you a different feel on Broadway and maybe give you uh, some definitive statements on which way we're leaning with each one of the games. If you like it, we'll go back and do it again. If, we, if you don't like it, we just want to go back to the quick rundown, and uh, Mike and I will just give you like uh, off the top of our head thoughts on it. We'll do that. But we just want to try something a little different for the listeners out there. Um, so let us know what you think at SDS Podcast on Twitter. Uh, let us know if you like the picks. Let us know if we do okay. Uh, and let us know if you make any money. We hope we, we hope to help you out this weekend, guys. Uh, you got to run, Gus. You want to do a rundown real quick of your picks? You got them. You got them written down. Oh yeah, yeah, I have them right here. I got. I'll, I'll do mine first. I got Baylor minus one and a half in the I'm addicted to love game. The NC State plus five and a half. Big comeback for Gottfried. Miami minus three and a half. Clemson's terrible. Marquette minus three and a half. Xavier's banged up. You can't give me his own points. Michigan State nine and a half. Mog, mother of God. Oregon minus 11 at home. A gritty Mason team against a shaky road team in Rhode Island plus three. Have, have Jankovic and Semi Ojale will travel minus two and a half. SMU at, at Houston. Washington to keep it close against Arizona at home nine and a half. And the Bruins scoring every which way, get dropping 100 on USC, minus 9.5. That, that last one sounds very accurate. Okay, I'll give you a quick rundown of mine, hopefully. Uh, let's go with, uh, give me Oklahoma State over Oklahoma. The line there is 12.5. Uh, it's 12, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the crazy pick, uh, Gonzaga plus 30. Give me Gonzaga. Uh, how about uh, Central Florida over East Carolina? Again, East Carolina favored by 3.5. Uh, let's go with Dayton over the Bonnies. Dayton favored by eight. How about West Virginia at home favored by nine over Texas Tech? 
Uh, in Mike's big showdown, give me Kansas. I'm going the other way. I'll take Nova on the road. Uh, Hall is uh, uh, Hall is the home team. Seton Hall is a home team. So uh, Nova plus six to cover. Uh, give me Cincinnati, even though it's a gigantic number. Give me uh, Cincinnati by 20 over Tulsa. And same thing with Wichita State. Uh, they're favored by 15 and a half. Give me Wichita by 20 over uh, URI. And then how about just give me UVA over UNC, and they do get a couple points, uh, four and a half or five, depending on which one you look at. Those are my picks. Those are Mike's picks. Good luck out there, gentlemen. Good luck out there, ladies. Good luck out there, college basketball fans. So, folks, we hope you enjoyed the three podcasts. We're going to try to keep it going every week here as we head forward. Give us the five stars if you can on iTunes. Tweet us at SDS Podcast for the Twitter account. We'll be we'll be tracking the games all weekend long. Send us some stuff. We'll interact with you. We love it. We love college basketball. This is a great weekend. You have some big-time games. We made the picks. Someone's singing a song. Let us know who you think it is, whether you like our picks or don't like our picks. Gus, if we're even, I guess if even Steven, uh, you know, nothing happens. But I have a feeling with the way uh, our podcast has been going, my friend, that there's no chance we both ended up like 4-6 and six and 4-6. and six. I mean, something big is happening here, but... At least we're head to head on Kansas Baylor, so that's for sure. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, I kind of like that one. Maybe, maybe if we're tied, maybe we, the default is the winner of that game. There is no way Virginia. How did I not pick UNC? That's that's I don't know. job by me. I'm like, there's no way they're covering that. Oh. anyway, folks, that's it for tonight. Friday night podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening in. Screen the screener. Big weekends headed into March. I can't believe Gus March is only what 12 days away. We're getting there slowly but surely. I love the slow crawl to March. Bell draw in. We're out. Thanks, folks. We'll talk to you. Yeah.